Hello and welcome to the Magical Friends Podcast. I'm Cindy Devine, your host, and we will be speaking about all things mental health, spiritual expansion, and a lot more things you'll have to listen to figure out. Um, If you want to connect further with us, then feel free to reach out via Instagram or cindydevine.com. We have an incredible episode ahead of us today. Let's get started. Hello, magical friends. Um, Today I was planning on filming a different episode. (laughs) I tried to film it, or not film it, who am I talking about? Um, Record it a few times and it just didn't feel exciting. And so here we are, um, telling a different story. (laughs) Um, And today we're going to talk about the time that... I escaped a cult scamming rehab and then um, disappeared the country unannounced. So, welcome to today's episode. I'm Cindy, your host, and I want to preface this with saying if you are needing help, if you are seeking guidance, if you need medical professional help, never ever hesitate to ask. Please, please, please reach out actually to a healthcare professional, a doctor. The hotlines haven't heard a lot about the hotlines i actually just got referred to my therapist every time i said something that actually had to be reported but um there's no shame in ever reaching out and with what i'm telling you today is not true for all rehabs it is just something that i encourage you to look out for and do your research um so without further ado <laughs> here's how i escaped a scamming ass cult christian rehab and then decided to disappear the country a few months later so here's how it's going. I moved back from LA because I withdrew without telling anybody from the private college that um, was basically keeping me in LA. I was doing a lot of production work. I was um, living life. I was, you know, fucking loving and also going through a lot of like sexual assault stuff. And so this triggered a big part of me that was uprooted um and what was once just like depression became really really crazy fucking depression and I also want to say that I actually went to treatment when I was 17 and a half um a smaller treatment center more holistically like centered but that one I actually had an incredible experience with they saved my fucking life um and gave me major major cool tools that like I still bring with myself today but this one different fucking story, different year, different day. Um, That was when I was 17 and a half. This is now when I'm 20. And um, basically, I moved back, major issues, severely depressed in a whole new way, Um, went through a lot of essay stuff and had no one to talk to about it Um, and didn't feel safe in my body. I couldn't even sleep in my bed. I would spend a lot of my nights walking around aimlessly going to the beach, um, and I'd sleep all day and just take copious amounts of Benadryl. And I by no means was like a substance gal, um, hence why I used Benadryl as my, you know, substance of choice, not to discount that or make that seem not important. But I was honestly terrified of substances because of my, um, my family has a major history with like substance abuse. And I just, that wasn't my vibe. My vibe was just kind of like, being done, cut into the chase, but 
I'm also very comfortable with talking about this time in my life because I've talked through it for so fucking long. So I don't want to give you the wrong idea that I'm desensitized to suicide and everything along the lines of having unaliving thoughts. They're very serious and I do not take them lightly. But as I have moved through this for quite some time and I've done a lot of work, um, we can now not laugh, but we can acknowledge them for what they were and what they are no longer anymore. But here we go. So let's get back to the story. I'm not okay. I can't get a job. I can't even get back into City College. Those are my requirements for living at my mom's house with my ex-stepdad, who was my abuser, our abuser, terrible human being. Point is, is that I was in an unsafe place once again. And um, I couldn't get a job because there was like pure death in my eyes. No employer wants to hire someone who's depressed because they're a total liability. And City College wouldn't let me back in because on my last like few times I had gone before I left, I guess I got really bad grades and they put me on academic probation. So there were no options. So I just slept all day and I'd sleep in everyone's bed but my own because during, you know, like at night, I would have these reliving experiences of my sexual assaults. And during the day, I could take Benadryl. And if it was light outside, I like wouldn't have these relived moments, if that makes sense. Very odd. Totally terrorized me um, for months and months and months. And it got even more real when I was in a space that wasn't only my own, but I was surrounded by a bunch of people. So basically, my mom gives me this ultimatum. She's like, hey, you need to get help or I'm kicking your ass out. Like, that's it. And I truly know that she meant the best in this moment. She didn't know what to do because being around our abuser wasn't good and there was no way out in that moment. But also going to a half-ass rehab may have been better in her eyes. She personally is from a different generation, I believe, that doesn't realize that you can't go to a drug rehab for mental health issues. It just doesn't work unless your issues are directly related and sourced from substance abuse. So, with that said, um, a family friend recommended to her that I should go to a Christian-based, um, faith-based rehab because they have scholarships and my insurance literally covered nothing unless I had, like, the drug, drug abuse stuff. And I didn't. Um... Yeah, I didn't. And I knew that. And every therapist and health psych professional that I'd ever been to could confirm that um, later to my insurance company when they were told something different. And that's when we get into the culty cult part. Cult scammer ass people. So this is the thing. Our family friend refers and she's like, okay, you need to talk to this guy, you know, they give out scholarships, they take your insurance, just get over it, like, it's okay, and um, I talk to him, and I pour out my whole fucking heart, because I'm thinking, hey, they want to help me, right, like, sick, I'm so thankful that I get help, because I truly wanted help, I didn't know how to get it, and I couldn't afford it, Um, so I was like, okay, whatever help I can get, well, um, he said, you know, do you have any do you drink? Do you smoke weed? And whenever you tell, most likely, a um, healthcare provider or a rehab intake person that you've ever smoked weed or you ever drink alcohol, um, 
or you overuse Benadryl, that automatically deems you as having substance abuse problems. I didn't know that because adult rehabs work differently, okay? I was by no means addicted to any of this. I was actually addicted to self-harming and um, just mania and manic behaviors and my PTSD stuff that was just taking over my life. So I go to this rehab. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to get help. Fuck yeah. Like we'll be in and out in a month maybe. Like whatever. We're cool. I'm safe. Whatever. And so I go into the rehab. They intake me. They take my pee. And without telling me, they report to my insurance that I'm addicted to morphine, weed, and alcohol, and Benadryl. (laughs) And I'm like, the morphine? What the fuck are you talking about? And it actually turns out that I still had pee in my morphine. Or what am I talking about? Morphine in my pee because I had gone to the hospital like a week before because I had a bacterial infection in my uterus. And so um, basically, I was like holy fuck, like, they had to give me, like, a whole, they had to give me, like, basically, like, hard drugs to sedate me and get me to do an ultrasound because they had to figure out what was wrong with me, um, but I didn't know that that would still show up in my pee because I thought the half-life or whatever it's called would just, like, flush out quicker. Regardless, I don't do morphine, so, like, I wouldn't, I didn't think about it, Um, but whatever they test you in your intake pee is what they're allowed to report to insurance. So they decided to report that I was allegedly addicted to morphine, um, weed because it was in my pee and they had voice recording of me admitting that I drink alcohol sometimes when I'm sad, but it makes me nervous. Um, yeah, I don't want to say don't trust rehabs, but do your research once again, because (laughs) this totally painted a different picture than what was going on and what I actually needed help for. Um, So continuing here, um, I do all my intake. I'm like, okay, like, am I going to meet my therapist tomorrow? Like, how do we do this shit? Whatever. I find out on day two that this is actually like, (laughs) this is actually primarily like a substance abuse rehab. They don't really have any mental health resources except giving me drugs and I was already on drugs at this point. I had already been on antidepressants and um, mood stabilizers for quite some time. And so I was like, great, 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 great. And um, the head of the program basically called me in, the one I had talked to on the phone um, that I thought was, you know, all great and wanted God to help me and shit. Um, because once again, Christian rehab, the manipulation was at an all-time high here. Um, and if you're a Christian, this is not to shit on your Christianity beliefs. This is just like sometimes the harsh reality of religious institutions also having links and ties to healthcare and big pharma. So he's telling me like, hey, you know, I know you came here for mental health too, but you know, our mental health program like isn't really happening right now. Like we're kind of like like he didn't give me a direct answer and I'm like okay so you said you can help me so I'm confused and he basically said like maybe it would be open in the next few weeks they didn't know but until further notice I'd just go to the AA and the NA meetings every day like three times a day and I looked at this guy and I remember being there in that moment and realizing holy shit I'm getting scammed I literally fell for this guy's tricks 
to get me in, get me locked and loaded. They can charge my insurance if I'm here for at least two weeks. And um, yeah, <laughs> I admitted all my bad things, but I painted a different picture, I guess, than what was actually like fully whatever. Um, and most people don't know how to word themselves. So it's actually like really easy to get painted a different way. And so day two, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. I'm like, holy shit, I'm stuck. How are we going to get out of here? Um, I also realized that everybody around me, it's all coming clear now. Everybody around me. Well, first of all, I was put in a detox house for three days. There's no reason I should be detoxing. I, I'm not on drugs. I'm not on anything crazy. I'm not drunk. I did not come in under the influence. Legally, they have to keep you there for 24 hours if it is also a substance abuse rehab. But they kept me there for three, for three days. Um, this looks better for insurance. They make more money regardless of that being the complete intent. I have more than enough reasoning to believe that was the intent. So, once again... Um, there's a lot of twisted shit that's just, like, happening within this rehab. And um, a lot of people don't know their rights either and don't know what they actually can request and not request and what they actually, like, can... all the things. So, I'm on day three. I'm in detox. I've been sleeping next to a lady still detoxing off heroin literally for the past three nights. Scaring the shit out of me because... There's nothing wrong with people that are detoxing off things. I'm so happy that these people are getting help. At the end of the day, when you're not on drugs and the person next to you is on drugs, it's just really uncomfortable. You don't sleep. You're scared. You're more scared of them than you are of yourself in that moment, which is actually a funny place to be when you spend a really long time being scared of yourself. Um, but yeah, weird times. Um, now we're on like day four and I'm getting moved to a different house and I realized that everybody is so drugged out and so numbed out and so like the amount of drugs that people were getting given, they could barely say their name. They could like barely talk. It was actually like something I ended up reporting to, um, one of my therapists that this was like malpractice like situation and I spilled all the deets of my experience and um, I only did because I truly care about people who are seeking help and have limited resources to do so because it's a very terrible place to be um, as someone who obviously went in for mental health reasons and PTSD and truly wanted to get better. This was even worse. Like I would have been, you know, whatever all happens for the highest good. But I was now moved to a different house. There was a phone in this house. It was in the nurse's room. I wasn't allowed to use the phone. They specifically said Sydney is not allowed to use the phone because I was not taking my medication. The medication was to make me go to bed and numb me out. And they wanted to put me on an even higher dose um, of my antidepressants and mood stabilizer. I was already on almost a max dose for double my weight. This was wild that they wanted to do that. But I have a feeling they want to do that to make me just like get the fuck over it basically that was their mentality get the fuck over it and so I'm starting to realize that this is like very culty scammy behavior and it's not okay and not in alignment with my highest good regardless of what it was and so I get one girl that I get tight with she really doesn't want me there she wants me out because everybody I met there was like you don't belong here like you just don't like you don't do drugs I can tell like you know 
Um, not that that's a good or bad thing, but you get the point. I don't belong. Um, there's no one here to help me. There's nothing I have to offer. And so she helps me break into the nurse's room, which is actually a really big deal when you're living in residential rehab. Okay. This is not a thing you just like do on the fly. But our house manager was on the phone with like a boyfriend or something upstairs. And this girl broke into the thing and I called three people. The only three numbers I knew. My mom, who hung up on me. My dad, who told me to fuck off and hung up on me. And they were totally convinced, by the way, by the rehab people. Like, totally convinced that they were helping me and I was crazy. Hilarious. Um, And then I also called a guy that I was seeing, like, prior to going. And he had already been hooking up with a new girl. And he hung up on me and acted like he didn't know who I was. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, fuck. And so I finally got caught. And my house manager almost got fired because my parents called the rehab and um basically told them like how did sydney get a phone she's calling us like she's not in treatment i'm like motherfuckers like oh my god sometimes i honestly wonder like how people of that age go to rehab because they they don't get it point is um i was very disconnected from my parents in general so during this time it was the most irritating thing they could have ever done to call the rehab next day i go in They pat me down and basically make me do a full like cavity like fucking situation like I'm in prison and think I'm hiding a phone up my asshole because they're like, how'd you get a phone? How'd you get a phone? How'd you get a phone? I said I broke into the fucking room. Like, what do you mean? And that got my house manager in trouble. I didn't know that would happen. She was a very, very, very nice lady. So I felt bad. And um, I basically told him like, I don't belong here. You guys don't have a program for me. You're not holding up to your word. You're trying to drug me with like crazy medications that make me vibrate and feel like I'm fucking losing my mind. Um, It's like putting your brain on do not disturb while observing getting 100 voicemails every five minutes. That's the sensation of the medications they're giving me. Um, And so, yeah, I was on day four here and I was pissy. I was over it. I was about to walk the fuck out and leave all of my stuff. Like, I didn't care. I just leave all my stuff. And they basically had me on lockdown. They had someone watching me at all times. They would not lay their eyes off me because they knew that I knew that they were not okay. And they're fucked up. So, I finally get invited to go on the Trader Joe's. Okay? Day five. Trader Joe's. I go to the bathroom and I try to call my friend. This is the only girl that would ever pick me up in the whole entire world that knew that I was literally not lying and this was really not okay. And I told her I was going to this place. Don't know if you heard my burp. If you did, I'm sorry. Oops. Excuse me. Um, But I told her I was going to this place and that I wasn't really sure about it. So like, you know, be on the line. And so I call her from a random lady's phone. I lied about needing to use someone's phone by the bathroom and um, nobody was watching me. I called. I left a message. I'm like, fuck 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 i leave the address all the things and then the next part i kind of have a blurred ass vision of this but i gave the trader joe's cashier my friend's number to text her he thought i was losing my mind um and he never texted her for me but he's like oh that's like weird why don't you just use your phone and i'm like it's a long fucking story dude like long story um anyways no hope okay we're on day five or we're on day six, we're on day six maybe, 
Um, I'm losing track. Point is, is that now I'm like in phase fucking 10 of breaking out of this place. Like it's nearly impossible because people here are used to being treated like shit and they're just like, after a while, you just get used to not having any privileges and it's terrible. It's why our society breeds people who are unable and feel reliant on everyone but themselves. It's very sad. And so I'm depressed, I'm manic, but I'm also pissed off and I'm also really fucking smart and I'm also not going to take shit and I'm also not taking the meds. So I'm like ah, flushing my meds technically and um, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't know. if I'm blah, 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 blah. Um, But point is, is that we are um, now in day six and I finally meet a fucking therapist. My whole six days there, I had not met one therapist. I didn't like the therapist they gave me. It was a guy and I'm going in there for sexual assault problems. Like, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean? So I meet a therapist. She looks like Sandra Bullock. I have a little bit of hope in my heart and I'm just like, look, lady, I'm not supposed to be here. I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm technically allowed to make my own decisions. I may not have anyone to pick me up, but like, can you let me use the phone? Like, I'm not supposed to be here. She hears me out. She hears my story. She's like, wait, holy shit. Like, you're not supposed to be here. She's like, they're keeping you here against your will. Like, holy shit. She's actually on my side. She's like, whoa, is this lady like telling me the truth? Well, then, um, basically I had them take me to the doctor later that day because I had had really bad issues with like my uterus and I was on medication previously for uterus problems, infections. And so I go to the doctor and I'm like, oh my God. I can use the damn phone at the doctor because this guy who's taking me to the doctor can't go inside with me. So I'm going to use the phone. The doctor, literally, I tell her that I'm unsafe. I'm not okay. I'm unsupported. I'm being force fed medication that is not okay. And she ignores it. She ignores me after I literally have a cry for help. <laughs> I'm like, my parents are unfit. I have an abusive step parent that's basically controlling my mom. My dad's an alcoholic. I have no resources. I need help with my PTSD and everyone's trying to just feed me drugs, shut me up and make me go to AA when I have no drinking problem. I have references. I have proof. Help me. Lady fucking just ignores me. So now I'm fully reliant on my therapist. Okay. So, um, don't worry. I'm getting to the part where I disappear the country very soon. So I go back from the doctor I find this therapist, I call my friend, the ride or die, and um, I call her, I say, hey, I need you to come tomorrow and pick me up at 12 o'clock. Like, I'm checking myself out of here, they think I have no way to get out of here, and I'm not okay, I'll tell you more when you get here, but this is not okay. And she's like, okay, I got you, like, just totally trusted me, okay? It was a very difficult place, because nobody trusted me, like, at this point, and there wasn't even a good reason. Like, it was just the fact that, like, people trust medical care professionals over the person that's actually going through the things um, because they don't actually want to deal with the problem. They don't. They don't want to help people. Most people don't actually want to deal with the actual thing. They just want to get rid of you. And um, sometimes it's because they don't have space for you. And other times it could just be because they don't understand. And that's okay, too. And that's a lot of what I've had to make peace with in my healing journey. But, okay, let's get to the fucking point. 
So um, we're on like end of day six. I get a hold. I schedule the pickup and I'm discharging myself. Okay. They're worried because they can't technically charge me if I'm not there for a certain amount of time. And they have all this shit on me that's not true. And so I got to like spend the rest of my time there, explain to the therapist to contact my ex-therapist and my ex-psychologist that prescribes me my medication to verify that I don't have substance abuse problems and that I'm actually just like mentally going through it. That's all. I'm just sad and PTSD, you know? And so she's the fucking homie that saved my life and got me out of there. Um, also Trader Joe's lady that let me leave the message and preface. Love her too. Lady who fucking broke the door lock for me. Love her. Um, yeah. So now the next day comes. My friend shows up. She picks me up. The Christian man who did my intake literally is pissed. He's so fucking pissed because he's like, we can help you. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, this is not about how big your dick is, sir. Like, it's about my well-being and I'm really just disgusted by this whole place's behavior and uh, I can't even imagine how many more people they've done this to it's actually disgusting um but yeah do your research once again if I haven't said that 50,000 times by now um so basically I don't like getting these episodes too long but also a good story has some detail so continuing I get picked up. It's all great. I'm so excited. I have no money to my name, okay? I got maybe $7 in my cash app. We're using cash app because we're so overdrawn in the actual checking, okay? And my friend who picked me up, she's actually just like wrongly fired from her job on unemployment, no money to her name. And this is how you know you have like an OG ride or die. Like when you literally have to figure out how to live on like $50 in the span of like two weeks at Trader Joe's. And also, alternative ways to make money. We'll just call it that. Um, With no car, no valid license, and no insurance. So, love that. Um, And basically, I ended up spending a few months with her off the radar, off the grid. The rehab did report to my parents um, that I left. I didn't sign any forms, the HIPAA forms, to, like, allow them to know anything. So, like, LOL at that, too. (laughs) They violated that. But less of the point, um, when they found out I was out, they would not talk to me. They would not give me my car back. They would not give me my stuff. They would not give me my laptop. Like, it was a bad day. Bad, bad few weeks, too. And so, for the next few months, I lived under the radar. I went on dates to get dinner. And I had some really crazy shit happen during that time, too, that I'll talk about in another episode. Like, getting proposed to and accidentally going on a date with a guy I went to third grade with and just all this stuff. And so, basically, over those two months, I was not okay, but I was barely hanging on. Uh, barely. Like, barely, barely, barely hanging on. Um, and thanks to her, I slept in her fucking living room on the floor for two months. And then, finally, I negotiated with terrorists. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I have a really bad sense of humor sometimes that comes off a little bit strong, but <laughs> um, the terrorist was my mom, if you didn't, couldn't tell. Um, and I ended up getting my stuff and my car back, and I drove my car back, and um, I drove back from San Diego. 
and it was a very long drive it was very emotional and yeah so I got my car back and then about two weeks later a light in my car went on that basically said my engine was fucked and my gas dispensing didn't work I was like fuck like I don't have like a dollar to my name are you serious and so I ended up calling my grandma um she's hilariously out of control um impulsive lady of my life but basically I go to her house and that's my next like hideaway I hide there for about a month um my mom's still pissed at me my dad barely will talk to me um and my sister has been sick for a very long time but she ends up overdosing on a medication that she was prescribed and just overtook and um this had happened a few times I don't want to tell too much of her story because it is her story not mine to tell but it heavily affected me because it would happen every six to eight months so to speak and she was not okay as well and being in an abusive household growing up it took a toll on both of us very differently um but yeah so she was in the hospital she OD'd she came back to life um there's this weird thing in my family where everybody like dies and comes back to life like quite frequently um I swear it's impossible for our bloodline to die it's crazy and so basically I have to go down to LA and help support my sister in this process because both of my parents are beside themselves that their daughter like died and came back to life again and um yeah during this process one of my best friends of 14 years came down and she's like Sydney you're not okay She's like, you're not okay. Um, you need to do something. And we were joking around. We were kind of like, whatever, like, what if I just left the country? Or what if I did this? Or what if I just whatever? And that's when <laughs> that's when I disappeared the country without telling anybody. And I pulled this off with zero money to my name, a pure manifestation in my heart, and a drive to get better. I just want to get better. I wanted to be okay. And I knew that being in rehabs and being around treatment centers and being around people who were constantly taking my power um, and not encouraging the birth of my own and the harnessing of my own was degrading my sense of self and my ability to trust myself in a way that I'd never experienced before. And so not everybody can just run away to Bali, um, but... I had had some major confirmation signs when I was at the hospital. I went to go get an impulsive tattoo um, with my lunch money. (laughs) And I met a guy who owned a tattoo shop previously in Bali. This is right after we were like, fuck it. Why don't I go to Bali? And my friend's like, "Uh, no, don't do that. Like, that's crazy. So I meet the tattoo artist. Then I go into a weed shop just like browsing because what else do you do in L.A.? And I meet a woman who tells me I'm going to be leaving the country in like a week. And I'm like, yeah, sure, lady. And then on the way home um, from that L.A. trip, my um, like stepmom at the time stopped at a gas station and I saw Bali, Indonesia right by the toilet, like a sticker. I was like, fuck, I'm supposed to go. Like manifestation in my heart is like coming out. And so um I go to my grandma's house. My car is not going to be done for three months. I'm like, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm not okay and I want to die and nothing's working. So can you help me get away from everybody? 
and she was pretty upset with both of my parents at this time, and she loves a good secret and a good scheme. So, naturally, <laughs> um, my friend drove down that saved me from rehab and brought me the rest of my stuff, um, helped me pack, get all of like the shots that I shouldn't have gotten and was allergic to half of them, booked my flight, and I was gone four days later. And I told no one but my grandma, who forgot I left for a hot minute, <laughs> and um, my friend. And my dad found out the night of when I was leaving to the airport, and he's very upset with me. And my mom would not let me talk to my siblings. Um, and it was a very, 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 very hard time. It was very scary. It was very difficult. But at that point, I thought I was going to go to Bali and die, to be honest. Not even to be dramatic. Like, to be completely honest, I thought I was going to die. And that started <laughs> my international disappearance. That was all prompted by a lot of death, um, a lot of rehab scamming stitches, and a will to get better and sometimes when everything you're doing is not working you got to think of what the opposite is so I was being drowned in lack of support and I was like you know what maybe I can just figure this out myself and if I die in the process here we go and I flew out I took a quick little video did a quick journal got fucked up on Benadryl and flew the first 14 hours to Australia and then my layover was allergic to the malaria shot I got and almost died on the plane and <laughs> went to the infirmary after customs in Australia and then flew to Death and Star, which is the Bali airport. And that started a whole new fucking adventure that I'm going to talk about in another episode. But hopefully this was interesting to you. If you've ever been through a similar experience, um, let me know. I don't know why I keep having like some resistance to even like sharing this with you guys it's super personal to me um and it's crazy and I forget it happens literally all the time um unfortunately so yeah I just want to let you know that if you're in a space where you don't feel supported don't feel like you have to be there because it's like the right thing to do like fucking fight for your well-being and fight for your health and fight for like your heart's like highest desires highest alignments and that little one percent of hope inside of you even when you feel like it's all fucking going down and nothing's going your way that one percent of hope has gotten me a hell of a lot further than anyone else telling me what to do so yeah we're now four years later and living life happy and healthy <laughs> and this is probably not a good time for me to talk about our sponsor but our sponsor is recode my mentorship program all around mental health wellness and maybe after hearing that episode, you're like, how the fuck did she get out? How did she even figure out her mental health? What the fuck? Like, this lady's crazy. I'm not going to promise you I'm not crazy because I don't think crazy is a bad thing. Um, I think it's actually very powerful when you learn how to navigate your mental health in a different way, especially an alternative approach to how modern day medicine treats it. So if you're looking to connect your brain, your mind to your heart center, and have a better relationship with your mental health check out recode serious inquiries only we only take on a few clients a month so yeah anyways 
so much fucking love gratitude and light to all of you and i'd love to hear your funny stories if you've gone through something like this too i'm so sorry i feel you and once again if you're going through this and you need help there is nothing wrong with reaching out and um getting help when you need it just do your research um love light and gratitude and i'll see you in the next episode bye